Greetings and salutations to our fine podcast audience. Welcome to episode 167. It's we made it. Sour Patch Kids episode. You just huh? jumped on his I know, thing. I know. People know what he was going to say. <laughs> our super fans do for sure. Our super fans know. And we have to do it the same way. And we're and, We and, don't have to do it the yes, same we way. We do it the same way. You just guaranteed he's going to jump over it every time. <laughs> I know. Now you said that something has to happen. I know. We're and we're still eating candy. I have a lemon head in my There's mouth. So, if I sound different, I'm sorry. So few have to's in life. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Says the guy who never met a rule he didn't want to break. Yes. Okay. So like I teased last week, we have a little Scriptural controversy that someone wants us to resolve for them. Okay. Might not be a controversy for some people, but for some it is. Hmm. So I'm going to ask the question, and you guys tell me what you think. All right. Here we go. I got to get a fruit snack. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Can you please explain the sudden death of Ananias and the predicted same fate of his wife Sapphira in the book of Acts? Both deaths. Did they say the predicted same thing? Yeah, I'm reading the question. This is a very very astute question. Yeah. Back to the question. Both deaths seem to be attributed to God's intolerance of sin, and they were guilty of trying to seem as though they were true believers by lying about their giving everything over to the community. But Jesus is a forgiver of sins who called out truth but did so compassionately. It doesn't seem like God would strike two people dead for lying. Are they? Therein lies the controversy. I haven't. I haven't read this very closely recently. Is it attributed to the intolerance of sin? What I mean is, does Luke say in Acts, God struck them dead because He is intolerant of sin? There is no. Well, the important thing to get is there is no indication that God killed them. Well, that's what I mean. Is there is no indication? It just said it seems. It says they died. It does not say that God said. And let thou be dead. That's what I meant. Was know, the word attributed was the thing I was I was talking about? Is it does the writer ever attribute the death to anything? I know that no. Peter, Peter speaks about it says and you're predicts. Join it. your husband, and we just carried right. him out. And he says to Ananias, "Because you lied to God, not to men, mm-hmm. right? This is what's going to happen." But, but what I meant, all I meant was. There was a lot in that that I don't think was actually in the scripture. Of It's well, attributed to the intolerance of sin. I will say that what this person asked is the way that in the churches I grew up around, this okay. is the way it was taught. Okay. Yes. God, I'm not saying God it's wrong. God killed them because of their lying, or people would say God killed them because they withheld money. Okay. Sure. Yeah. That really well, wrong because it wasn't about Peter's well, real clear. You yes. could have withheld all the money if you wanted to. That's right. To. It was about the lying. It was about the lying. Okay. But the indication this person is by saying Jesus forgives sin is that God is the one responsible for them being right. Right. That God wanted them to die. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that answers my question. I was just I when the way I heard it, I just wanted to be clear because I think that's an important thing. I think and and this is this is a side to the question, but I think it will lead us maybe to our answer in the question. There, we have to be aware of the assumptions we bring into something when we read it. So when I read a story about a person who lies, and then they and then someone in the someone who is a believer says, "You're going to die because because of this lie you told." Mm-hmm. The assumption is because God is so holy and He can't be around sin, He's decided. Well, that's an assumption. That isn't what they said. Or, you know what I'm saying? So that's my only point. I don't know because I have not specifically read the the scripture closely recently. Well, 
uh, as I told Jason going into this, when, I, when Jason sends us the questions, mm-hmm. and I saw this, it is a very controversial story. And I'll admit, for me, it has been one of those stories that's uncomfortable because because of understanding who Jesus is, and Jesus mm-hmm. is the exact representation of God, mm-hmm. and Jesus has horrible things happen to him. People lie not only to him, I'm sure, but about him for sure, yep. we know are true, and Jesus doesn't react by killing them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been a hard thing. So I'll just say this is, again, one of those things we said this in a recent podcast I don't have a definitive answer on all the stuff that's happening in Ananias and Sapphira's story. Right. And I think if you were looking for us to have the definitive response to this, you're looking for something that the church in general for the whole period of the church history has not had. There are a lot of different ways people have looked at and tried to explain this uh this particular account in the Gospel Acts. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we want to go over all those possibilities of how that can be done. There are four or five big ones. But, you know, some people just believe, yes, outright, God killed them. Yeah. That's what happened. God's just. He can do whatever he wants to do. And he was setting an example because it's early days of the church. And mm-hmm. boom, he lied to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. But even those people would not say that we ought to take an overarching lesson out of this. Hey, be very careful when you lie to God. Right. Right. Because evidently that's not a for all time kind of consequence. Well, well I'll just say uh, a lot of folks have been lying most to Most of uh, and I don't, I don't I won't speak for you other two. There, I'm 63, been a Christian for more than 40 years. There have been more than a few times that I have sat in church, been convicted to do something, promised God I would get it done, and did not do it. Yep. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So if this is a once for all kind of consequence, I'm very thankful God has applied decided not to apply it to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a hard time believing that most people, even if you believe that's a thing, can see that it's a once-for-all-time kind of way to interpret that. I just don't think we ought. Whatever your interpretation of this particular account is, I wouldn't be looking for all-time kind of principles to apply to the rest of your life about this one thing. Other than lying's a bad thing in all circumstances because it ruins relationships. Okay. It's, that <laughs> that's, that's a good one. lesson. It learn a relationship with God, learn a relationship with everybody else. Lines mm-hmm. are really bad. Mm-hmm. Well, I would, and I would say to the person who wrote the question, I, I I get where you're coming from on the question, and I think you're, and I've I've said this to to many people who've sent us questions. Said I read this in the Bible, it doesn't seem like because I know Jesus, which is right, and I always applaud those questions yeah. Yeah. because I think that is the exact way you should look at everything you read in Scripture if. If the thing you, if the way you're interpreting what you're reading paints a picture of God that does not look like Jesus, you might be painting the wrong picture. That's right. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to say that up front. I agree. Yeah, I think it's good. So you're doing the right thing. You're yeah. trying to get yeah. some people you think might be smarter, whether we are or not, yeah. to yeah. help you get it in those terms. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, if you can't get it in terms, it should not cause you to think differently about God than you see in the face of Jesus. Correct. Whatever these standout incidences, they don't override what you know to be true in the face of Jesus about God. So that mm-hmm. that's got to be key. Mm-hmm. So I wrote down a bunch of stuff. And I did research. I, well, I just I wanted to go back over it. 
I think there's a really key line that I think we often look over that Peter says at one point to Ananias. He said, and it, it struck me, he says, Satan is filled, why has Satan filled your heart yep. to mm -hmm. do this? Yep. Now, the other person I know who said those lines said them to another guy who winds up dying. Jesus says them to Judas in the upper room. He mm -hmm. does. Satan has filled your heart. Mm -hmm. And so one of the ways, and I'll just say to you, this is probably my preferred way to see this, whether I have a couple of these that are, one of the ways that you can look at this is what caused their death mm -hmm. is that God just releases them to Satan. Mm -hmm. Satan has filled their heart with this thing to lie about it. And, you know, if I'm sitting here and I'm holding, if I hold this can uh, of Kirkland sparkling water up <laughs> and uh, I decide to let it go, I am not the person making it fall. Mm -hmm. I'm currently the person that's keeping it from falling. But yep. when it hits the floor, I did not make it hit the floor. Gravity did that. Mm -hmm. So in, in the idea of thinking about this thing, if Satan fills the heart of Ananias and in that moment, God just releases Ananias to the consequences of what Satan, because we know from Jesus what Satan's intent is for every human being. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything that God loves. And Romans 1 at the end of it talks about God yes, turning people them over, over, releasing yep. people. Yep. Well, and that's described as, in Romans 1, as the wrath of God. We right. have an idea of what yes. the wrath of God is, God punishing people. But really, the wrath of God is God allowing the natural consequences, right. um, which in this case, I can see how people would see it. I'm glad you brought this up because this is the interpretation I hold in my head, but I hadn't done any research around it, mm -hmm. is that when they talk about the Holy Spirit and that you've lied to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is... Um, when we when we follow Jesus, Holy Spirit lives with us. He imbues us with the life of God. And there's a way in which I think Christians see that as purely a spiritual thing. It's like, that's my spiritual part. It has nothing to do with the rest of my life. But it, within the biblical story, the breath of God uh, is what initially gives life to all human beings. I'm talking about physical life to human right. beings. Then Jesus, when he uh, comes back from the dead and he has this new kind of life he breathes the spirit just right. as god right. had breathed into human beings and it's a new kind of life the way i have always kind of seen it is very similar to um how god is not necessarily punishing people when he when he allows them to to choose hell over him it is god saying if you don't want life with me i will release you to yep. that that's why i see this too is that mm -hmm. what peter is saying is and it, what's hard for us, it's, it's a very, it's a, a time that it's a very literal, the ending of this new life. Yeah. That it, it, I think that's what's hard for us is we, we could see, oh, okay, well, now I get the, the spirit's not with them anymore. They're not a believer anymore. But what's hard, I think, for us is to think, well, then how did that stop their life? Well, and what we don't know, you know, because the writer of the book of Hebrews, which, by the way, if you don't know, we don't know who that is. No. Yes. Uh, or she. Or she. Or she. Who, whoever that follower is, we don't know who they are says the author of death is Satan. Yep. Right. Now, we tend to think, we don't think that way. In fact, I hear people, and it just drives me batty a little bit, of God decided to take them. Mm. Mm. Satan, 
What we may not know is a part of what's going on in the powers and principalities mm-hmm. that's happening is that God, Jesus is protecting us from Satan mm-hmm. at every moment, yeah. not just one day in the heavens. He's, He's holding every, holding all things all together. Things mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. And in this moment, Satan, who is a ruthless lion roaming around seeking to devour in that moment because of what the, the protection of the early church and Peter making this declaration. It's Peter that's saying it. Mm-hmm. God just releases them. Yeah. Doesn't the story of Ananias and Sapphira, you read it most recently, doesn't it end with some kind of, and I don't mean... The an- whole place is filled with, they're all fear. Okay. The whole, the whole church is filled with, and it's it could be fear, Awe but and it wonder. could be awe, awe and wonder. wonder. It could right. be awe and wonder. That was the one I had in my, and that may just be the translation I most recently read it in. But what I was going to say was, when you were saying earlier about this story isn't like a prescriptive, if you do this, this will happen. If this happens, this. I think that's true for the majority of the book of Acts, is that it is more descriptive. than It's, it's describing this is what it looked like when the Holy Spirit took hold of these believers. Then this church is formed, and it, it is describing it so that your heart would be inspired to wonder and marvel at the glory of God. And so I think, to me, the reason this story is included is this comes, this is right after Acts 4, right? Where they describe... It starts, yes, with, it's, it starts with the whole section, if you get rid of the, the monks that decided, for whatever reason, to separate four. Sure, sure, sure. Whatever sure. they decided that. It starts with, they had all things in common, and they're sharing. And right. it talks about Barnabas giving a, and he gave right. it all. It doesn't say everybody's selling everything and right. doing it. And then it rolls into this account of them sort of copying Barnabas. What I mean, not really. And what I mean is, so they paint this one. So the so Luke, who's writing Acts, is painting this picture of look at what happens when the Holy Spirit does, and it tells us in Acts two that because of this spirit activity, people are being added daily to their number, those who are being saved, because not just because of the giving, but because of the preaching. Their, their entire Holy Spirit lifestyle is, is drawing people that when they teach, they're filled with awe and wonder. And then here comes this story of there's this almost negative con- consequence when, when, it, when you are not in the flow of the Spirit, but it results in the same thing of people being filled with awe and reverence for Jesus. Well, and I was going to say that that whole point of God releasing people to their fate or their consequences, Greg Boyd, who's a scholar that I read on this, writes a whole book about this whole way of interpreting the scriptures. But he talks about this one story and said, um, he said it, he harkens back to the book of Genesis when um, when God gives Adam and Eve the, the prescription and says, uh, don't eat of that tree for as soon as you do, you will die. Now, he said, now, everybody knows they don't die when That's they eat right. the tree. But something happens in that moment, and there is a long, drawn-out trajectory. And what he's saying is, if you decide to go away from me and go in the direction of sin, it will lead you to death. Right. And, we, of course, the Book of Romans says wages of sin is death. Right. That's consistent all the way through Scripture. So his point is, when someone decides... God, let me go. Mm-hmm. Just let go of me. I'm going over here. That moment, you are headed. You're you're as good as dead. You're as moment. good as dead. Now, whether it happens five seconds after you make that decision or fifty years after you make that, de- and he and his point is 
That's the trajectory the human race has chosen. Right. And God is holding us together, protecting us. He said, now all of us at some point, we suffer that eventual consequence. But then there's the, you know, so. Well, and it's like, it's like in the book of Acts, we were talking, mm-hmm. what, four or five episodes ago about speaking in tongues. Mm-hmm. And there's this dramatic case of when the, when the, when the Holy Spirit falls, mm-hmm. there's a dramatic example of this new life being born. But none of us, well, I shouldn't say none of us, there are believers who think every time a person experiences the Holy Spirit, that's what it should look like. But very many believers across the world accept that was a dramatic example of the Holy Spirit to be a, a exhibition of what is going on within a person. That's how I would describe this Ananias and Sapphire thing. Well, it's a dramatic one-time example of what's going on within. So I said at the beginning, you know, part of the thing I wanted to refresh myself on is the numerous ways this has been interpreted. Yeah. And I said that one was the one that I sort of leaned toward. There's there are a couple of other ones that I want to do, just in case our riff on that <laughs> does it. I think there are other ways you can see sure. this and still yeah. see it in the face of Jesus. One of the other ones that has come down through church history is that Ananias and Sapphira are not, in fact, genuine followers of Jesus, but mm. because it's been such a dr- dramatic movement in the church, and I'll just make the point, uh, every time something good is happening, we know for sure Satan is so counterfeit. Right. So we just have this thing in chapter four. This is a way it's sometimes been taught through church history of Barnabas does this thing, it's dramatic enough to be written down. He sells mm-hmm. a piece of land, gives it all, lays it at the feet of the. It's distributed as everybody has need. He doesn't ask for anything out of it. Mm-hmm. Satan immediately fills the heart of this couple to copy this mm-hmm. and move in. And then, for the sake of keeping the purity of the church, God releases these people to what Satan ultimately wants to do to everybody, which causes the true believers to be filled with awe and wonder at how good God was to protect them from Hmm. this counterfeit thing. I like that. Interesting. Now, whether that's it or not, or it's the first thing or not, I don't know. There's a third way, and I'll just say this one to you in case you like Mm -hmm. it. This one, this one may cause you more questions than it doesn't is that God, Jesus, gave the apostles power. Yeah, I was going to say. Mm-hmm. He gave yeah. them power. And sometimes they misused it. Yeah, and yeah. and we don't, we, we sometimes think that every time we see a display of the power of God through a human being, it is, it was the will of God. Sure. But, well, the, I would, I would point you back to the story in the Old Testament where Elijah has some bears eat some children. Yeah, Elisha. Elisha. Elisha sends a pack of bears, and they 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 kill some. Well, kids. they were called them baldhead. Well, they were. I'm just there's saying. that. Then there is Elijah. When Elijah, Elijah is coming Elijah. down, Ahab sends men up to get him, and mm-hmm. Elijah doesn't want to deal with them. He kills them. Yes. And Ahab sends more, and he kills them. Yes. And finally, the men say to him, "Hey, we're just trying to do what Ahab yes. does. <laughs> do this thing." And and the Bible gives us the indication. God comes to Elijah and says, hey, don't kill these people. Exactly. And the indication is God didn't necessarily want him to kill, to use the power that he had given him. I'll give you another example that to me has been more prescient in this. It's it's impacted me. I don't know what I think about all of this, but Mm -hmm. Jesus says to Peter, when Peter cuts off 
the dude's ear of the garden, remember? Mm-hmm. And he heals him. And he says, do you not think I could have called a legion of angels and they would have come here and they would have stopped this thing? Mm-hmm. Now, the indication is from Jesus, the angels would have responded. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it would not have been God's will had right. the angels responded yes. because we know what was going on in Gethsemane was the will of God was for Jesus to submit yes. to going to the cross. Mm-hmm. But the indication is, had Jesus called the angels, they would have come. Mm-hmm. So the power of God given in human hands. So the indication of people, some people, some really early church fathers said, Peter acting out of the spirit, the same spirit that just a few, maybe weeks earlier had cut off the ear of a soldier. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is early in the life of the church. Gets so frustrated by these people lying to in the front of the church that he just says, hey, you're done. Yeah. And even though it wasn't the will of God, yeah. that gets carried out. In fact, a lot of the early church fathers really rebuked Peter over this in some of their writings. All right. So there are three indications. That's I don't know whether they're right or not. It's just, well, I'm just saying we don't know for sure. I, we've given you some ideas of how to think about it. So you take any of those answers that you think range the truest and go with it. You know, it, and we and there hold, might be a fourth. I hold know. them all loosely. Hold on yes. to the fact that yeah. what you said, it doesn't look like Jesus I, I agree with that. Stay with Jesus. Yeah, stay with Whatever you do, stay with him and That's you won't right. go wrong. So, all right. I have to be somewhere, so I have to cut this one off. All right. I'm all right. I'm going to stay and eat candy. All right. <laughs> so maybe it'll be gone next week. No. Come back and find out. See if the candy's still here. It might be. See you then. <laughs>